How many of you have seen the movie The Godfather? Right on. All right. So just a couple of us. Who's in middle school has seen The Godfather? All right. Your parents need to do a better job. Um, that's my parents. I'm, <laughs> what am I saying here? Uh, there is a Godfather is a movie when you get a lot older. And maybe not, I'm not going to encourage it, but maybe don't don't quote me. Uh, it's a good movie. I mean, it's ranked number three of all time right behind Citizen Kane and uh, Casablanca. And so it is a really uh, good movie from a movie standpoint. And there is a scene in there where Johnny Fontaine, who is the godson to Don Corleone. Now, I did not think I was going to do this. So I went, Godfather. I, don't, I can't do it. Someone else in here could probably do a better Godfather impersonation. But Don Corleone is the Godfather. He's in charge of this little family, the Corleones, which is the mafia. They're not that great of people. And then he has his godson named Johnny Fontaine. Johnny is a singer, and he wants to be an actor in Hollywood now. And there's a certain role that he wants, but this director just won't give him what he wants. Oh, woe is Johnny. And Johnny's just like, he's sitting there. Sorry if I butcher this. He's just, oh, oh, Godfather, I don't know what to do. And you know what the Godfather does? He pulls him up and slaps his face, and he says, you can act like a man. It's a great scene. And so, so much so, it's such a great scene that even in my family, my dad sometimes will go up to my brother, Josh, who's like 10 years old, and be like, act like a man! And Josh will be like, act like a man! It's just a thing they do now. So if you are going and you see your brother, and he's crying, or even your sister, I don't know why, but you want to go, and they're like crying, don't slap them. That'll get you in trouble. But you can be like, act like a man! And and then they'll hopefully stop crying and act like a man. And that is the title and the theme for tonight's sermon is Act Like a Man. Next week we will have Emily will be preaching next week on biblical womanhood. But tonight I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do a small portion of what it means to be a godly man. And there will be stuff in here that does apply to you girls. And if it doesn't apply, it always at one day, 95% of you are going to want to get married. And so it's important that you find a good man. So tonight we're going to talk about men and women. And what we talked about last week is men and women are equal. And then I said they're also different. But I said we're not going to cover that. We're going to talk about men and women are equal. If you have a problem with that, come talk to me later. Men and women are equal in value. But we play different roles. We're given different roles from God. And what are those roles exactly? But one, men and women are different. There's, I did a speech and debate out of Angel, and uh, a lot of drama pieces are done. And one of like the main drama pieces is people saying there is no such thing as gender. I don't know if you guys have heard that in the high school. In the college scene, there's this argument that there's not even, there's no gender roles. There's no gender. There's no such thing as male, female. We're just all human. There's actually no difference between a man and a woman, and all these roles are being pressured to you by society, and that's the only reason why you feel like you're different than, than a girl. There's a reason you play with Barbies, and you play with um, trucks. G.I. Joe. Now, if some of you are saying, oh no, I played with Barbies, and I'm a boy. Uh, some of us don't always fit those roles, and some of you girls are like, well, I like football, so does that make me not a girl? That's not what I'm saying. 
But men and women are different. And this is really seen in our personalities. Uh, several personality studies have been done. I took a personality course last semester at Evangel. And just some quick things on our personality and why we're different. Women will score higher in sensitivity, warmth, and apprehension. And apprehension just left my mind. What does that mean? Okay, thank you. Kalisa's smarter than me. Um, we all knew that. Uh, women, you're going to be more sensitive. On average, you're more warm, and you're a little more anxious and uh, nervous uh, than men are. That's some of your personality differences. Uh, men are going to score higher in emotional stability, dominance, rule conscientiousness, and vigilance. So uh, there were, the article I was reading on this was saying that you could almost categorize men and women as two different species, there's so many personality differences. I don't need to explain to you the physical anatomy differences. They're there, too, to help you out in case you didn't realize it. But there's also these, your brain's different. What goes on in here is different. And this is clearly seen from a couple weeks ago. I played a video. And it, 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 that video showed me the difference between men and women. Because there was a video we played, and if you missed it, you just Google it later, of a lion, a group of lions, killing a giraffe. A, lion, a poor giraffe up there just you know, kicking his little legs. And the, the emphasis of that video was to show you that technically it doesn't matter what they do in the wild. That happens all the time. You're more important than animals, correct? Animals don't have souls. We got that? But the problem is, is there's this difference here, Okay. So I got boys that came up to me after service. They're like, that video was awesome. Why did you skip the gory parts? I want to see the lions rip off his leg. There's like a scene I cut out of there where they like ripped the throat and there's like blood coming out. Oh my. And then there's girls. There's girls who came up to me that said, why did you show that video? That was really not cool. Like it makes you uncomfortable. You didn't want to watch that. You look away. I've heard... I got groans over here just from describing the video, from female groans. You know, there's even this difference here of, of, of stuff we like to watch. Uh, very few girls want to watch The Born Identity, where boys are just, we want to watch The Born Identity. We also want to live The Born Identity. We drive sometimes. I have imagination. Sometimes I feel like I'm in, you know, like there's a cop. Oh, I, gotta, I don't do that, but sometimes I like to imagine it. We have this difference in that. Um, and so when we talk about these differences, and I'm not going to hit on this verse tonight, but the roles are different in that men are responsible to lead. And if that upsets you as a woman, Emily will clarify that for you. Don't be upset by that. All right? The Bible calls men to lead, and they are responsible Especially in the household, they're responsible for their wife, responsible for their kids. They're going to be held accountable for how they led their family. And the woman is accountable. She's accountable as well. She's accountable to herself, her family. She's accountable if she was able to help her husband to be the best man of God that he could be. But men are to lead the home. Okay. So we see this difference. And so there's so many differences in how we watch a movie. There's differences in our personality, our anatomy. Obviously, God views us as different things. But tonight, I'm going to talk about men and manhood, what it means to be a man. And in the first instance we see of what it means to be a man can be seen in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and 
keep it. So this is before the fall happens. Men, our first job was gardener, right off the bat. And just a little, little blurb here from a commentator. Even in a state of innocence, we cannot conceive it possible that man could have been happy if inactive. God gave him work to do, and his employment contributed to his happiness. For the structure of his body, as well as his mind, plainly proves that he was never intended for a merely contemplative life. Men are not uh, designed and created to sit around and play Xbox all day, unless, of course, that is your work and your job, and you go, I just, I realized I made a big mistake there, because my dream is to be a professional video game player one day. But, just to sit around and play video games all day. It's not our job just to sit around and watch SportsCenter all day. Our job, what we're created for, for happiness, is for work. And this is seen before even the fall. Like, that's our perfect design is for work. And I realized quickly that I am fallen. I'm a fallen man. Because let me tell you, the last thing I enjoy doing is outside manual labor. I don't know if you guys feel that weight. And girls, you probably have had this too. Maybe you have parents or just Saturday morning. And it's, it's fall. And there's leaves on the ground. And dad comes to you and says, hey, it's time to get up. We've got to, like, rake those leaves up. Let's go. I don't know if you've Who's experienced that? Who's experienced Saturday yard work? If it's pulling weeds, which I've got scoliosis, so that was the worst thing ever. My dad just thought I was a wimp. But my back hurt, and I'd, like, sit on the ground. I was, like, I'm pulling weeds and daydreaming about the born identity. And... So, all right, you can put your hands down. I got you. Cool. We'll take account later. Who's done yard work? Who hasn't done yard work? We're going to make you do some. Um, but Saturday yard work, and I realized from the very beginning that I, I, was, I am not in God's perfect plan because my inner being, you know how we are sometimes enemies of God and enemies of what he desires for us, that part of my life, I'm like, man, this does not seem right. I am, I am against manual labor outside. I do not want to sweat so, yeah, I've got a lot of work to do. I probably should pray about that, huh? But there's this, there's this part of us that should enjoy work because that's what we're created for. And I see it in some of you guys. I see your work ethic. I've seen some of you uh, just do some manual labor. And the reason that's good is because that's how you were designed. You're designed to be a grower, uh, a creator, uh, to do good work. That is... Um, a basic part of manhood. And some of us, maybe it's not seen in, in gardening. Maybe it's seen in other things we do. We work hard at schoolwork. We're usually high achievers in, in wanting to get a good grade, being the best. Or it's seen in sports. A lot of times we're, uh, Kevin here, just really quick. He's got a full ride to Iowa for football. So go him. That's working hard. That's right. Yay. Um, men, they like to set goals. Okay. And for me, sometimes those goals are seen in video games. It's like if you complete this task, you will receive a fake trophy. And that fake trophy means everything to me. And we have this little task. Or in football, you know, you got to go really hard, work hard in the weight room to where you just make 10 tackles a game. Or you set those goals for yourself. We like to set goals. We have goals. We like to achieve them. And then we look here after the fall. And looking at kind of what is our plan now after uh, we, were, we were created to do work, created to enjoy it. It was going to be fun. We are just going to eat vegetables all day. Man, we are far from that. Uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 3 after um, we've taken a bite of that apple. Uh, Genesis 3, verses 17 through 19. 
And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In plain you shall eat all, eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to the dust you shall return. What we're seeing is that even after the fall, our call is to work and work hard. Now it's just going to be a lot harder. And that's why the part I don't like is now it's, it's going to be difficult. You're going to sweat. You've got a lot of extra leaves to pick up now. And so we see that that first point of what does it mean to be a man? Uh, the first thing you're going to see here is work hard. You are called to work and work hard. That's... That's the first thing. So if I don't think I've met a line I've heard. Is, I don't think there's, there's, there's a lazy man out there that doesn't have some, some, some inner ter- turmoil, something going wrong in his life. There's no man out there that is content with being lazy. Because even lazy men have dreams of, like, glory. Like, they picture Braveheart, William Wallace, Born Identity. Like, they have those dreams one day of, like, doing something epic, to do an epic thing, to work really hard to do something amazing. And so if you, if you have laziness in your life, that's something you need to fix. That is a problem. And yeah, work hard. All right, let's look at this next verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. And what I want to say on this is that uh, Paul is addressing uh, the, the church leaders at Corinth, and the church leaders were all males because women just weren't educated at the time. However, uh, the NIV will take all of the gender stuff and it takes it out. Because even though Paul's talking to men, this applies to men and women. But I'm really going to be hard on the guys for this. Okay? Let's read 1 Corinthians 16, chapter, chapter 16, verse 13. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Be strong. And so we see her act like men. And that can also be translated as be brave. Be brave men and women. Let's talk about these, these four things. This first one, be watchful. That's what you got to remember tonight. Just these things. Be watchful. And so this is kind of described as, say you are a guard. And you're like overseeing like a little tower and you're protecting a nation. Okay? Be watchful. Look for attackers. Look for the weak spots. Okay? So what are the weak areas in your life? Be watchful. It's good to know, know yourself. So what times are you weak? Is it at nighttime? Do you find yourself giving in to sin? Do you find yourself being lazy? Do you find yourself at nighttime? This applies to you too. Nighttime, morning. Do you find yourself being weak at school because you're a totally different person when you come to school when you come here? Are you weak whenever you turn the video game system on because you can't turn it off and therefore you don't do your homework? In what ways and at what times are you weak? And so what Paul's saying is be watchful of those areas. Be watchful. If you know where they're at, and you should know where they're at, if you don't, be watchful. Start looking for them. Be watchful. 
And then if we're going to be watchful of these areas, would it not make sense than to build defenses around those areas? To do something about it. So often we know our weak spot, we know our weak areas, and yet we do nothing about it. And we wonder why we keep sinning over and over and over again, or we just keep being this fake person, or we keep talking behind this person's back, or whatever that may be. You wonder why you keep doing it over and over, because you're not building up defenses in those areas. And I think the most important person that we can look at for what it means to be a man is Jesus. And so let's look and see. Now, not that Jesus had any weak areas, but where was he watchful? Because he was attacked, and he had to be watchful. He had to be on his guard. So in what ways was he watchful? And let's look at Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 21 through 23. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And right before this, um, I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, he tells Peter how this, you're going to be my rock. You're going to be my church. Like You're going to be the leader. So I just, again... I think I felt for Peter last time. Peter, you're going to do great things. You're going to lead the church. And then you're going to be, he calls him Satan. I'd be like, man, be built up and then just crushed. And so why did Jesus, why was he so harsh with Peter? Why did he say, get behind me, Satan? Because we see is right before right, Christ is arrested, he's, he, he's praying. Uh, I believe it says he sweated blood because he's praying so hard. Because he wanted to make sure that this was the will of God, that he would go and he would die on a cross, he would be beaten. He knew it was going to happen. So don't you think that part of him said, if there's another way? Now, he never wavered in wanting to do the, the will of the Father. Never. However, he was like, Father, is there another way to do this? Because I think as all, all of us would say, we'd rather not get beaten, rather not get whipped, rather not hang on a cross, we'd rather not die. And so if this was a, Jesus recognized this as a spot that he could get attacked from. So when Peter says, hey, you don't need to do that. Someone comes to you and says, hey, you don't need to do the will of the Father. You know, get behind me, Satan. He's saying, uh-uh, I'm going to put some defenses up right there. That's a really good example to look at when you, someone comes against you in a weak area. Or Satan comes up against you in a weak area. What should your response be? Get behind me, Satan. I wouldn't say that to your friends, because I'm sure Jesus did it a lot better than you can. But it's that attitude of, mm, get behind me. Put those defenses up. The next thing we see is be watchful, stand firm in the faith. So when you are attacked, do you stand firm in your faith? I didn't think stand firm... Uh, makes sense to stand firm in your faith. But it comes down to, you know, are you actually uh, walking the walk? Or are you just putting on a mask? Is church just a hobby for you? Which, church is the worst hobby ever if it's just a hobby. Um, 
get an Xbox. That's a much better hobby than church. If you're gonna just, if it's just gonna be a hobby, if you're just gonna like God has all this power, yet you're not gonna tap into it. He has all these promises, but you're just not. You're just gonna ignore them. It makes no sense. To come in here on Wednesdays it makes no sense to just go over there on Sundays, check it off your list, and then it's not evident in your life anywhere else. How are you going to stand firm in your faith if it's not your faith? So I encourage you, know why you believe what you believe. And this is done through time in the Word. And I'm going to emphasize it every week. Do your devotion. Spend time with God every day reading his word. If you want to stand firm in your faith. And let's look how Jesus responds to standing firm in his faith. In Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11, he is tempted by Satan. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the temp tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he is attacked, and to stand firm in his faith, what does Jesus do? Quote some scripture. That's what he does, to stand firm in his faith. And that little line, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God, that's found in Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. Okay, so when it says it is written, it's written somewhere. All right? So that's Deuteronomy 8.3. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And that is written somewhere. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And that is found in Psalm 91.11-12. through 12. So now Satan is, is, is trying to play the game. Sometimes people are going to come against you uh, a skewing uh, scripture, uh, misinterpreting it, twisting it to their beliefs. And they're going to come at you then with that. And what if you don't know what that scripture means? Are you going to be convinced by it? Are you going to be um, persuaded by misinterpretations? Or are you going to know why you believe what you believe? And Jesus responds to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Deuteronomy 6.16. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Which is seen again in Deuteronomy twice. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So if we're looking at Jesus... How are we going to stand firm in our faith? We didn't know Scripture. You're not going to be able to stand firm in the faith if you're not spending time in the Word. If you're not spending time in the Word, then this right here is hangout and hobby. That's all this is. And you will fall down. The next line is actually one. So remember, three things. Act like men. Two men, take that. Be strong. Be brave men and women. Be strong. Now let's talk about why does it say act like men, but I'm saying men and women. I discussed the whole he's talking to men, obviously, and the Greek word there is masculine, so that's why the, the more literal translations of the Bible put men there. 
Um, but these are principles, they, they apply to men and women. That's why the international version, which is just trying to get you the gist of what's going on there, says, says nothing about men, women. It just says this is for everyone. So this is for all of you. Okay? Be strong. Be brave. What do we need to be strong and brave for? When I hear the word strong, when I hear the word brave, when I hear the word strong, first thing popped in my mind because it just happens, power team. I don't know if any of you know what power team are those giant muscle Christian groups and they just do and crazy, crazy feats of strength and just really strong. They break everything. Or I think of The Rock, who is just huge. Uh, when I think of brave, that is coupled with brave heart. I think of William Wallace. Or you think of just any war movie ever, you just see somebody just charging out there with a flag and whips out a knife and just like stabs 30 enemies. And then when you think of brave, that's kind of what you think. Like you just think of that epic like warrior. What we see here is that Jesus defines brave and strong much differently. We're told masculinity is the size of your bicep. That you can't be a man unless you can defend yourself. You've got to prove it through violence. That's what a man is. So let's see. Uh, there's a quote here I want to read. Because that's not just... Uh, a worldly thing, it's even entered the Christian circle of what a man is. And I've heard the line that of people saying, I can't worship Jesus. I can't serve a God that I can beat up. Jesus is just some hippie. And here's a line from a very famous pastor, but I'm not going to say who it is. But here's his quote. There is a strong drift towards the hard theological left. Some emergent types want to recast Jesus as a limp-wrist hippie in a dress with a lot of product in his hair, who drank decaf and made pithy Zen statements about life while shopping for the perfect pair of shoes. In Revelation, Revelation, Jesus is a prize fighter with a tattoo down his leg, a sword in his hand, and the commitment to make someone bleed. That is a guy I can worship. I cannot worship the hippie diaper Halo Christ because I cannot worship a guy I can beat up. So what this statement is saying is I can't, I can't worship the gospel, Jesus. I can worship this out-of-context, completely misguided interpretation of revelation of, of Jesus. This Jesus is going to come back with a sword in his mouth. He's just going to cut heads off, which completely out-of-context. is not what it means in Revelation. It's not the picture of who Jesus is. Who Jesus is is what we see also in the Gospels. And also just ignore manhood of Jesus in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then just only look to Revelation. You're supposed to look at those Gospels and who Jesus is. And to hear the statement, I can't worship a guy I can beat up. And maybe that's a struggle for some of you guys. Maybe you see Jesus and you see this limperist hippie, whatever that is. And you say, I can't worship this guy. He's not a man. In Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 25, we kind of read what it really means to be a man. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, you're the church, and gave himself up for her. And so, husbands, one day, you're going to read that line. 
And a lot of times we, we, you read that and it talks about wives submitting to husbands. But I mean, let me, just, let me just focus on that line of husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Men love people like Christ loved the church. Do you realize the weight of that statement? Do you know what Christ did for the church? He died. He was beaten and whipped and crucified for you. Luke 23, 34, he's hanging on that cross. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. So he has the ability to send angels and just destroy everyone around him. And then he says, forgive them. What I'm seeing here is a much different picture of what it means to be a man. All right, than what the world has told me what it means to be a man. Because I'm seeing this frail, near lifeless Jesus hanging on a cross forgiving people. And he has every means to end it. Sometimes uh, boys wrestle each other. Sometimes we just like to wrestle. And Kyler, he's a wrestler. I wouldn't wrestle him. I actually made a rule. Arnalyn, don't laugh. Um, I made a rule about wrestling people. I decided to stop wrestling people after what I realized it did to me inside. Annalyn has a brother named Jordan. Jordan Salvato. Jordan is, shut it, Annalyn! <laughs> Jordan's like this tall, and Jordan's a soccer player, meaning he's not like ripped. He's in really good shape, okay? He can run really fast and really long. And Jordan, one day, was at his house, and he's just like, hey, man, let's wrestle. And when you're presented that, 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 that challenge, you're just kind of like, I, I guess I better take that or I'm not a man. So we decided to wrestle. I won game one. And something I also learned, leave while you're ahead. Just quit. Okay, if you win, get out. Whatever that means. Uh, I just used all my weight on him. We just kind of like held each other for a long time. And then eventually I just got on top of him and just like body flopped on him. And just he couldn't move anymore. I won game one. And then he's like, hey, best two out of three. And I'm just like, why not? I just whooped him. We just held each other for a long time. And then it just became me smashing him with my stomach. Let's just do that again. However, let me tell you, wrestling does something to boys. Okay? Maybe to you girls, if you wrestle. But if you get, it's like if you get slapped in the face. All right? Someone slaps you in the face. The immediate reaction that you have is, who just slapped me in the face? I'm going to punch them. And what I just did to Jordan Salvato's ego is I slapped him in the face with my stomach. And <laughs> so he feels his ego's hurt. All right? So the only way that he can fix this is by beating me. So he says, best two out of three, and I'm feeling very manly and very on top of the world, like I can conquer anything. Um, freedom! And so I'm like, yes, let's do it. Best try to three, let me show you who's a man. And this turned into like a 30-minute wrestle match. And this is why I lost. Because it turned into a 30-minute wrestle match, and he is much more athletic. He can endure much longer holdings 
of each other. And actually, right when the second round started, which I think Arlen's just like on the couch, he's like, go! And he just like dives to the ground. I'm like, what is he doing? And he just explodes like a rocket through my legs and just lifts me up. And we just like fly in the air and slam to the ground. And we're just kind of holding each other. And I'm on top of him. He's on top of me. He's like breaking my arm. I'm like, get back on top of him. For like 30 minutes, we're doing this. And eventually, he gets me to like, he's like jamming my face against the carpet and breaking my arm. And I had to, had to tap. And then Jordan just slapped me in the face with, he's half my weight, half my size, like three years younger than me, and he just beat me in wrestling. The ultimate test of manhood. So, of course, I'm ready for game three, which took about 10 seconds because he, he just utterly obliterated me. And Anna Lynn likes to remind me of this story all the time. If I'm ever feeling good about myself, she goes, hey, remember that one time Jordan beat you in wrestling? Yeah. It's the reason I will not do it again because guess what? I had like burns all my leg from the rug and when it was over we both knew what I don't know what happened to my pants I don't remember they ripped it was in a fit of rage it was a very intense wrestle match and Jordan and I just had good respect for each other and we decided he was going to sit on that couch I was going to sit on this couch and we sat there and breathed hard for an hour and didn't say a word to each other because if he said one word, we're going, we're going to blows. Like, no more wrestling. We're going to punch each other. That's what it's going to Because he had obliterated what I thought I was as a man. I felt like, mm, like a limp wrist hippie. I let this guy half my size beat me in the ultimate test of man. And I realized that it's not good to feel that way. And so I have a rule. Aaron Zay has really challenged me a lot lately, wanting to wrestle. One, I would lose to Aaron. Don't tell him that. I would lose to Aaron. He's a big, strong guy. Don't tell him, okay? Shh. But I don't ever want to feel that way again. I never want to have my manhood just obliterated. And Kyle probably can have his own stories of just that, that just empty, just dark feeling you go to after losing and the reason you have that feeling is because we define masculinity by feats of strength. Sometimes we walk in a room and you'll feel like you're better than someone because you're like, I can beat them up. That used to be a thought I had. Like, you walk into a room, like, I probably, mostly it was with basketball because I play basketball. You walk in a room, you can probably beat them in ball. That made me feel better as a man. Made me feel above them. And that just shows you how the world defines masculinity, defines what it means to be a man. And Peter, poor guy, man, Peter defined masculinity in a very similar way. Defined it by acting out of emotion, through violence and feats of strength. And we see this when Jesus is arrested in Matthew 26. And uh, Jesus is getting arrested and Peter is just like, I'm doing this for you, God, and just pulls out a sword and just, I mean, it must have been really bad with a sword because all he got was a guy's ear, but he just like chops off one of the guard's ears off. Really bad aim, bro. But so he tries, and this is his way to be a man. This is his way to stand up for Jesus. And Jesus says to him, put your sword back in its place, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. 
Do you think I cannot call on my Father, and he will at once put, my, put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? So you're, gonna, you're drawing the sword. Do you not realize I could obliterate all of you right now? And so if I'm not using the sword, you shouldn't be using the sword. Because if you live by the sword, one day someone's going to have a bigger sword and better aim, and they're going to kill you. So what do we see from Jesus? What do we, what do we see here? We see a, a, a man that died for us. He had the ability to send legions of angels to obliterate everything in his path, every enemy he ever had. We see a Jesus that, as he's hanging on the cross, after he's been beaten and whipped, had a, cor- uh, a thorn crown shoved into his head, says, Father, forgive them. We see a Jesus that heals the guard, heals his ear, rebukes his follower, heals this guard that's about to arrest him to send him to all of this torture. We see a very different picture and a much more powerful picture of what it means to be a man. So when the Bible says, be brave, be strong, what he's saying there is, it's going to be difficult. It's really hard to be brave and strong because what is manhood? What is womanhood? This applies to you too. What is this defined by? And the number one thing, defined by self-control. A man that has self-control, a woman that has self-control, gentleness, kindness, and is selfless. Manhood, specifically to you men, is reacting out of love when you have every reason not to. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. If anybody had any reason to just bring down legions of angels, it was him. It's when you have every reason to not act out in love, to act out in love. So how is this seen in your lives? Maybe you have someone that just talks behind your back. Maybe someone that, maybe I mean, you girls, you guys, you have someone that just like cuts you down, calls you nasty names behind your back. And so if we're going to define what it means to be like Jesus, uh, it defines to be a woman, what it defines to be a man is to love them, is to pray for them to be gentle, to be kind, to value them more than yourself, be selfless. And the verse right after, um, right after that about, you know, these duties you have is uh, verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. Your manhood, your womanhood is defined by your love. Not who you can beat up. Not how conniving you can be. How you can just put people down. It's by your love. So I'm going to wrap this up and bring the worship team up here. So the first question I have is, are you working hard? Or are you being lazy? 
Are you getting behind in schoolwork? Are you getting behind on chores because you're lazy? Are you working hard at the right things? Are we not getting into the Word, but we're mastering Halo? You know, are we getting into the Word, but we're talking for hours with our friends, or we're spending hours on social media? Are we working hard at the right things? Are you being watchful? Be watchful. Know where you're weak. Then how do you respond to it? Build up some defenses. Get behind me, Satan. Are you standing firm in your faith? Are you spending time with God? Are you walking the walk or is church just a hobby to you? And are you being brave? And are you being strong? Acting out in love when you have every reason not to. Women, I, I, I address the men a lot. So what I want you to take away from this is that you see these principles of what it means to be a man. Look for a man in your life one day. Some of you in middle school, don't be looking for a man. Wait, forever. Um, look for a man, not a male. Look for a boy, look for a man. Look for the man that stops fights, that loves his enemy, that is selfless, isn't prideful, isn't a bully, who's kind to everyone. Look for a man. And that radical view of love that Jesus provides, of manhood that he shows, of what it means to be a Christian, this can only be accomplished through time in the Word. This can be only accomplished with God. If you try to try to do this on your own, you're going to realize that got a sinful nature and it's not going to make sense to you after a while because it's hard to do that. It's hard to act in radical love. This is only accomplished if you build that relationship with Jesus. So what he'll do is he'll rewire those sinful nature, those sinful thoughts. He'll rewire it to be more like him. So tonight I just take some time as we enter some worship. Some of you may want to worship. God, I, I can't do that on my own. God, I need to, I need to be more like you. I've got sin in my life. I need to build defenses. God, I'm a different person at school because I can't stand strong in my faith because I don't know what your word says, really. God, I need to love better. Some of you just need to pray about it. out of love even when you have every reason not to.